Hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to episode 196. It's pretty exciting. It is. We got a lot to talk about we, today. Today is a crazy, got, crazy big day. We've soft launched the Kickstarter. We're going to get more into that uh, today, and then we want to talk about Lone Survivor, Jack Ryan, and I want to revisit. Soft launched. It's launched. It's, it's launched. It's gone. Yeah. It's, it's up and <laughs> now it's something done. soft about. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> now, really it's, hard. It's, yeah. Now it is. It's it. it we're in the middle of it. Uh, <laughs> did you shoot your little video? <laughs> yeah, we did. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's everything. done. We'll and it I want to revisit Inside Lewin Davis because there's been a lot of chatter on mm-hmm. the. Uh, um, on the site and Laura House changing her opinion and oh. and uh, re- well, we got to discuss re- the Laura House episode a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, how do you want to start? You want to let, let's uh, free form. What do you want to do? Introduce our guest. Well, you want to do our first of all because okay. uh, he's been on the show once before. Uh-huh. Um, he has his own podcast and uh, and he just de- celebrated his three hundredth episode. Whoa! Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the nerd headquarters, Mr. Eddie. If thank you, thank you, thank you. Now you have more than one podcast. Right? Yeah, I have a bunch. Um, I have Talking Shit, which is the main one. Then I have mm-hmm. the Wadcast, which is <laughs> there's a thing called uh, CrossFit that probably everybody knows about now. It's so cultish and weird. Um, <laughs> it really is. It's like Scientology with exercising. <laughs> and they would kill me if they heard me say that. Because uh, I know all the people at headquarters of CrossFit, and they'd be like, you can't call it that. Uh, <laughs> But it's it's basically like a community of people, and they call it a community. They get together and exercise and compete. It's ah, competitive awesome. exercising. That's I sweet. always say it's full-time. But is it it's, races or anything? It's an amateur sport with full-time athletes. <laughs> <laughs> people devote their life to this. Right. I mean, I have a podcast about it, but yeah, you race at exercising. Mm-hmm. And it's combination of olympic weightlifting the olympic moves like mm-hmm. the snatch the clean and jerk all those squats and stuff and then well that's powerlifting so olympic weightlifting uh powerlifting gymnastics and sprinting and sorcery yes <laughs> and collecting all your money no. yeah. <laughs> And getting clear yeah, is yeah. what you're saying. Right, getting you need clear, to be, getting yeah. your e-reader second. Yeah. <laughs> so they, so they, they, <laughs> auditing you afterwards yeah. before. Yeah. And it's only like four or five grand a year. It's a great deal. It's a great no, deal. It's actually really cheap for what you get, but and it's great. I mean, if you want to like get in super great mm-hmm. shape, but it's uh, they call it every day is a different workout, and they call it the workout of the day. I've never seen anybody that seriously does CrossFit that isn't in goddamn great Crazy shape. Yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's freakish. Like, it's, it's, it's great shape. Is it like a Team P90X? Pretty much. Yes. Pretty much. That's what it is. P90X, which I've done, I did that for for going on the road because Mm. it was great to do on the road and I got into insanity. And there is like those two things have like online communities and stuff like that. But CrossFit is like you go to a place where everyone's doing it. Everyone's doing it, right. It's like a CrossFit gym. And they're insane. They're they're all OCD. It's OCD people with a lot of money that are like biohacking their life. So sign up for that, everybody. That's oh, what we got. You really going. sold it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, like, you like taking fish oil every morning and uh, your protein supplements four times a day. Uh, well, I wanted to thank everybody real quick. If you're rich up. with behavioral problems, <laughs> you'll really enjoy this kind of workout. <laughs> Are you too manic to sit on a couch? Then this is for you. Um, it's all you bipolar fit people. Go after it. Uh, no, I just want to thank everybody real quick who came out uh, last week. Uh, I was headlining at the Improv at uh, Harvey's Lake Tahoe. That was a blast. How's Howie? Howie's doing great. <laughs> the Morning Rush, KRLT, 93.9, the lake. I'm in love with Howie's mom. He's, oh, his mom is awesome. <laughs> He's, she's like the quintessential Jewish mom, but crazy right wing. Crazy like, right wing. Crazy, <laughs> crazy yep. white, right wing. 
She uh, she told me after my show, she goes, you're my fourth favorite comedian. Yeah. <laughs> and she told me who she liked better than me. And then one uh, one day, night during my show, she just yelled out from the crowd, you've moved down to fifth. <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting heckled from the uh, the MC's mom. Her favorites, uh, Bill O'Reilly, yeah. Sean Hannity. <laughs> yeah, 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 Sean Hannity. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lake Tahoe was a blast. And um, Howie, I'm... I'm Howie calls me every Thursday morning for the segment Graham's Crackers, and I think they live stream it. So anyone listening, if you want to go to see, would you what would it be? KRLT ninety three nine dot com. The lake, whatever. Just <laughs> Google that, and you'll can listen to me doing morning radio. But that was a blast. Tahoe is always fun. Um, and uh, I was in Palm Springs over the weekend. You in Palm that was Springs? really uh, that was fun. Uh, not as many comedy film nerds fans came out there. Right. It's a casino in Palm Springs. It's, uh, oh, you did a gig there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, okay, all right. A little older, you know, a little <laughs> yeah, older crowd. I can yeah. imagine. May not have used a computer, but still, still a good. <laughs> Let show. alone know yeah, what a podcast yeah, is. Yeah. I always go to those shows where it's all old people, and I look out and I go, "They're going to hate me. This is going to be awful. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bomb so bad." And then it's always surprisingly. Awesome. Yeah, they yeah. sometimes they're just like, yeah, because the thing is, if they were truly uptight old people, would they be going to a casino? True. You know what I mean? And also people are like, well, you know, watch your language. There's old people in the crowd. And I'm like, who's more calloused to, to bad language than old people? Right. Yeah, they've, they've heard, heard it all already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they've heard it all. So um, well, let's talk about our sponsor. Let's talk about yeah, our sponsor. Downcast has, uh, as we said, bought out the month. We're really happy they're to have them as a sponsor. They're not crazy old people. At no, they're not. They don't have behavioral problems. They... Uh, <laughs> Uh, they and we want to make sure Downcast, you guys know, is now available for Mac. Yes, um, this is the CrossFit of this podcasting. Is the CrossFit of podcast apps. apps. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to compete with your friends, right? And each get this app, and it's pretty. It's a pretty great app. It's like we said before. It's the podcast app. If you're a podcast fan, that Apple didn't make that, uh, and it's only dollar ninety nine. It'll play on all your um, uh, all your your iPhone, iPod Touch, iPad, iPad Mini. It's an uh, iOS app is universal, and it's, you can search top podcasts. You can discover and subscribe to new podcasts. It's amazing. Well, the great thing is, is I mean, obviously, most of you guys listening, you don't just listen to one <coughs> podcast. Every podcast fan listens to a, a bunch of them. Yeah. And so this is a great way to manage them, and like you can put us first – and then talking then to everyone else. <laughs> yes. <laughs> then Wadcast. Yeah, we'll, yeah. <laughs> um, so check that out, you guys. Um, and it has iCloud syncing too. It'll uh, it'll uh-huh. sync the subscriptions, your stats, your playlists, and settings between Downcast on multiple devices, including Macs. Come on, guys. So get Downcastified on this episode one ninety six. Halfway to. Halfway 382, to 382, 392, 392, 392, 392. Very yes, good. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, let's get into our, uh, let's get into our, our program. Let's yeah. Yeah. We want to talk about some new movies and we want to revisit a few movies. We're going to revisit a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, why don't we go? I really want to talk about this because uh, Eddie, you saw it as well. Lone Survivor. So why don't you tell us what you think about that film? Uh, it's the passion of Christ, uh, but military. <laughs> right. like you just watch four guys get the shit kicked out of them right. for an hour to right. the point where you're just like, all right, just kill them, please. It's like it's like watching a horse that broke its leg. Put a bullet in it. It's, it's, it's brutal. It's so yeah. hard to watch. Is it like Black Hawk Down where it's just one long fight? It, it's... <sighs> One long beating. Yeah. Oh. It's okay. four guys against two hundred in a in the in a horrible mountain terrain. 
and I, I know the story a lot because I, I read the book. My, a friend of mine hired Marcus Luttrell, who it's based on, to come speak at his uh, company. And I was there about two weeks after he spoke to do a corporate like comedy show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just can't imagine the dude. But if you read the backstory of this guy, and I, because of the CrossFit shit, I work out with a lot of Navy SEALs. And uh, so I know the type. I know the guys. And I, I, they're... They're freaks of nature. They're the most intense dudes on yeah, the it's, planet. It's like find the best of anything. Like find, look at the NFL, those football players. That's what the Navy SEALs are of the Navy. They're the best athletes. They're the, the smartest. smartest. Yeah. The, they're, just, they're just amazing. And they're worth millions of dollars to the United States military. Oh, because it's... Like an individual. Because of the training they the put training Well, it takes a fortune to train yeah, them, right? Yeah. And their shooting skills are phenomenal. Right. And so... But they were just... I remember when that happened, the real right. story. I remember reading it, and it was more about the helicopter that got shot down than the guys that were trapped under right. Because more guys died in the helicopter. Right. But when I saw it, I was like, how do Navy SEALs get killed? That can't happen. They can't right. die. Like, they're superheroes. Yeah. And it was just... They were fucked. They were really fun. And so you watch the movie going, uh, you know, go, I don't like movies that you go into knowing the outcome. And right. I'm like. In the title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I know exactly what's going to. I can predict the end. <laughs> yeah. I called it. Yeah. So it's, you're just watching the, but knowing that it was still pretty good. Here's my thing with this, with this film. I'm really glad it was made. Obviously, I'm glad this story more people are knowing about it because I remember when it when it happened to him, it was like holy shit because those guys got the Congressional Medal of Honor, um, some of them, and uh, the the one problem I had, and again it's because I watch a million movies and that's what this show is all about. I felt sometimes like it fell into, um, and you can speak to this maybe a little more because you know Navy SEALs. I fell into some of the, like that some of the dialogue when they were up in the mountain fell into sort of war movie cliche because I was like. Having watched Act of Valor a year ago, mm-hmm. which I love. Really? I, here's why I loved it. I thought it was a propaganda film. It was, it was, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it was a propaganda film. The reason I, here's the reasons I loved it is because it showed me how those SEAL guys talk and act. Mm-hmm. And you, there's no arguing, there's no yeah, 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 bickering. Yeah, yeah, That was the shit about Lone Survivor that was bugging me. That moment with the kid the comp, when they compromise with the goat herder. Right. And uh, there's a movie called... Um, well, that's in the trailer. That's in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. So what happens, just to bring the, the fans listening up to speed, what happens is they're up there, they're just doing an observational. The, the, op, the, the, the mission is just to observe this village that has a, a high-profile target. There's like a couple people, they're up in the mountains, and they catch them, and they're, they're debating, what do we do? Do we kill these kids? Because some of them are kids, young, or do we let them go? And they're debating that. So the way they debate that in the film, and the, the trailer makes it real quick. In the film, it's a five-minute scene, and they start arguing a little bit. Right, right, like, right. No there would be no way. argument. In, in uh, If you watch, there's a great documentary out called Dirty Wars. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the way they do it, they'd, they'd put a bullet in them and then dig the bullets out. They would, uh, right. you know, it's when they're in that kind of situation, they have to look for their own safety and and do what they have to do. So, but it's but also is that like, ac- is that accurate? But here's though? the thing: there's one guy telling the story. The other guys didn't survive, right? And here, I, I, and I forget what the book, but here's the argument: it's like here he's coming back saying he was going, no, no, we've got to let them go, and all the other guys are like, fuck them, kill them, right? <laughs> of course, they're gone now, uh, and I don't want to question the guy's morality or anything like that. But but now, did did the movie follow the book? 
uh, to to some extent, mm-hmm. and there's this happened in a whole. Uh, there's a movie, a British movie called Bravo Two Zero, I believe it is, um, where it was during the uh, the original Gulf War, the first one mm-hmm. where these British, uh, I forget what their SAS right. were dropped behind enemy lines and to do a mission where they were just dropped and do blow up these Scud missiles and then get out. And they got compromised by a goat herder, and the same exact thing happened. They should have shot the kid, but they didn't shoot the kid. And then they all ended up getting killed, and the one guy survives, runs 300 miles to the border, runs, like stealing taxis, doing everything he can, gets to the border, gets caught, and gets taken in and tortured. So it's almost like a very, very wow. similar story. Oh, wow. What's the and, name of that movie? Uh, I believe it's Bravo 2-0. And it's, um, the movie's not that good. The book was incredible. And the guy went on to write a lot of fiction books afterwards. He found out how Yeah, Bravo 2-0 well. came out in 1999. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so it's almost the same story. This is, this is the thing that I, that I was kind of questioning about the movie was how, how much – it just felt like from a script standpoint that Peter Berg – Formulaic a bit? Yeah, he yeah, just – I'll didn't, go with that. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like – like, it's one of those things where it's like – this story is fine on its own. Like you don't need to Hollywood. You don't need to Hollywood it up. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and that discussion, and obviously, like you say, only one guy. <laughs> we only have one guy's point of view about that debate about the kid. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like Peter Berg made that a Hollywood argument. Like I didn't feel like the it was like Twelve Angry Men. Kind of, kind of came up away. It, it like was that. moments like that where I felt like these aren't Navy SEALs. These are like enlisted guys that are like. In over right, their head. Right, right, yeah, exactly. That's what was Bl- bugging me Black a little bit Hawk about Down, I liked better because Black Hawk Down, the guy, they were so by the book of what exactly happened. And and everybody went, well, there was no story there. It was just your... And I'm like, I felt like I was there with them. And there was no debating. Yeah. Black Hawk Down, that's what I'm saying. That's what I liked about it is because Black Hawk Down, I felt like I was there watching this thing happen. Even though you know exactly what's going to happen you know from well, to, the to, title. To argue for Peter Berg and for the Navy SEALs and for all the American military, there is that, I mean, they do have this protocol that they do have to follow that's kind of fucked up. Like, you'll hear from military guys, like, when we read in the news and we go, why are they doing that? How could they kill those children? Right, blah, right. blah, blah. And then you'll hear these stories where they're like, we had to wait till they engaged us first. I watched my friend get shot. Sure. You, you know, there's... Well, that, no, that's not like I don't. I'm not questioning. You just think the seals have a more efficient way of dealing with it. I, I would think so. You know, too. I'm, my my. Here's what I'm questioning with Peter Berg. Not that he's. I'm saying that he was depicting Navy SEALs, who we've, are the best of the best. They're the most highly trained people on the face of the earth. Like them and astronauts. Like no joke. I think Peter Berg was depicting them a little more. Like regular soldiers right you well know what i'm saying and, 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 and you know that really could have been like a possible like studio note where you've got to not only not only you, you have to draw the people in because i thought you have to humanize them but also what happens too a lot of times is when you have these smaller scenes where there's some debating you're like okay now we now's the time we have to get exposition out too here I, are our choices I, and here's what might happen because here like i remember when apollo 13 came out and they're arguing in Apollo 13 and they interview the actual astronauts. And they're like, we didn't argue. We emotionally might've felt like, God damn it. Why did this guy, this, yeah, but he yeah. goes, there was no time. No, you give orders and you follow protocol. And one guy makes a question. He goes, sir, what about this? That's it. He doesn't like that. One kid was arguing with him. And I was just yeah. like, that's what, bothered and then the me. other guy came out from behind the tree and he's like, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. That that's what bothered me. Cause I just feel like, and, and you working, there's no way 
Like to me, what would be more interesting is how do Navy SEALs have this discussion? Like how does it, how does, cause it's not gonna be one thing, it's gonna be not like- Not to Hollywood soldiers have this exactly. discussion. Exactly, that's yeah. what I felt okay. like I was watching. <laughs> Hollywood soldiers, not actual Navy SEALs. Well, the beginning of the film, that footage that they show of the SEALs training is all that's, documentary footage. That's real shit. Which we've all seen that. If you watch the National Geographic channel or any of that these- That show, there's a- Yeah, sh- there's tons of, I've seen all that footage. And I'm like, why Peter Berg couldn't go out and get some B-roll on the SEALs? And I that bothered me because I thought, I know how these guys train. I know exactly what they go through in Bud's training and everything to get to where they got. But the average moviegoer doesn't. Why not show how elite these guys are Right. so that when they get up there, it's like, holy fuck, these elite, elite guys are getting pinned down by a bunch of Afghan warriors, you know, like farm guys. Right. And exactly, because to me, the most compelling part about that story, and again. Was it sheer because of numbers? I mean, I don't want to give it was that four away. against 200. They say four yeah. against 200, but in reality, there's, uh, I mean, there's, it's been disputed that some people say there were, it was 20 against four, mm-hmm. and some people say it was even 10. So it wasn't, but if, if you've ever even right. played like paintball or know any, I mean, they were pinned out. The guys got them from above. Right. They were below them. They had cliffs below. They were trapped. They it were just awful. They spot. were just in a mm. shitty, shitty position. And here's my thing. Like, I like Peter Berg. I thought Friday Night Lights was a great show. I don't, I don't begrudge him for taking the battleship money. <laughs> what, about, <laughs> what about for him dating Whitney? <laughs> <laughs> That's so By great. the way, I saw she got a special thanks at the end of Lone Survivor. It's like, can, can they give her more? Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. By the way, That's I a do. a whole other episode. Yeah, um, and another episode is I do begrudge him taking the battleship money. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my thing is, though, like, I think, I think, Eddie, you bring up a great point, which is for guy, people who aren't like us, who, like, I've watched all those specials. So that's the thing. Like, I've watched that, doc, or that, that reality show. The guys that wash out of SEAL school are in the top 10% of of military (laughs) folks. Uh So they needed to show that because I think they made a a slight mistake in this film of going, we need to show the human side. I'm like, oh, show me the human side of a Navy SEAL, which is not the human side of you and I. Yeah. It's It's not even the human side of (laughs) an enlisted person. Yeah. And not to demean that, like anyone who just is an enlisted soldier, hey, they have a lot of training, they have a different view than than we do, and the Navy SEALs are fucking 10 levels above that. Yeah, like, I think what they were trying to do is the Marcus Luttrell story, right. and that is, this guy is an interesting story. And if you re- just go read about him on Wikipedia, right. just in the last few years he had, I don't know if it's the last few years, but when he came back, uh, they gave him a dog, like an emotional support animal, mm-hmm. to deal with mm-hmm. all the post-traumatic shock. Uh, he's on his ranch in Texas, and he hears a gunshot uh, at his mom's house, which is also on the ranch. He runs over, and there's a truck leaving his property, so he starts chasing the truck. He goes through like four counties, catches these kids. They had killed his dog. Oh, my God. Yeah. And wow. I'm like, who kills a Navy SEAL's dog? Who kills so, a dog? Yeah, like, well, who just yeah, goes yeah, out yeah, shooting yeah. But dogs. I mean, I mean, like, you're going to kill something. You better kill him because yeah, yeah, he's going to kill you. <laughs> for kill- Somebody kills my dog. I will hunt them down and murder them. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Here's all, overall what I would say about this film. I'm glad it was made that the story, if, if anyone's going to go out and see it, I think it's worth seeing in the sense that you get more. If you didn't know much about this story. Like there's still things about the story that I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't want to divulge. Now, anything. was it too long, or was no, it? No, no, I didn't think no. So. I, I, you know, uh-huh. and it was, it was, it was fine. 
I just, I wish more, I wish more, how do I put this? I wish less Hollywoody stuff got put in there. I don't think they needed to call it Lone Survivor and tell everyone about, because I think most moviegoers would go to the film not knowing the backstory. Right. Or go, oh, I heard about the, but not know all the details. Why are the whole film, you're going, well, Which there's going to be who, one of them. Who's going to be the lone survivor? And you can tell because it's Mark right. Wahlberg. You're like, yeah. uh, he's the right. he's the guy. And and, and 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 I'll say I was when I first heard about this movie, I was worried that it would be like a studio money grab, like to, just to tell like another uh-huh. seal story. And I'm glad it sounds like it wasn't that. It was actually a good, no, I, and I, a, a and decent I, movie. I believe it was that, shot so well. Though. It was shot the, so well. The battle sequences are very good. Awesome. And 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 I and I and I. You know, I want to give Peter Berg credit for. I I think he went into this with, even though in some areas I feel like it missed the mark. He went in, I think, with noble intentions, and I think he went in like I want to tell this story correctly. I don't think he was just some Hollywood asshole. It was just like, yeah, let's let's get some money off yeah. a lone survivor because he doesn't need the money. I think it was important to him, and so for that, I give him credit for that. He mm-hmm. saw this story and went, this story needs to be told. I just it just drives. It's just a pet peeve I have with Hollywood when they. They oh we got to show them argue like no he, yeah. like no you don't right right it's it, anyway. it's an you know in, in a weird way it's it's considered it's old model in Black Hawk, you know? in Black Hawk Down it was totally like the, I read how uh, what's his name who directed that was it Ridley Scott or was um, it I believe but so. what he did he felt obligated to all the guys that died there to their families to doing it as accurately as possible. And uh, yeah, Ridley Scott did direct it. And there's only one cheesy line in the film. One, just Mm -hmm. one line. The whole film's like perfect, just so like real. And all of a sudden, one of the guys comes back from the battle to pick drop guys off and pick up guys to take them back. And one guy goes, I don't want to go back. And he goes, None of us want to go back. Yeah, yeah. But it's what you do now that makes a difference. And I was like, Why? Why? (laughs) You know, they were like, Maybe we'll put it in the trailer. (laughs) Because to me, because to me, and this is a general note. If you show these guys, like Black Hawk Down had a lot of Delta Force guys, and mm-hmm. this is obviously Lone Survivors, Navy SEALs. You're talking about, you know, the best of the best and airborne Rangers, and these people are even more trained. Yeah, each division has their elite. Has their elite. Soldiers. If you show them accurately how they would act in that situation, then what is more powerful is then the have, show the one, like, remember in Saving Private Ryan? where they're debating whether to kill the German guy that they captured. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hanks just sits down for a second. His hands start to shake. He starts to cry a little bit, stops it, and then goes in there and tells that great speech about every man I kill, I feel like I'm farther away from home. That was like, because in those situations, that's how much time you have to express your emotions. You got about 15 to 20 seconds to go, oh my God. And because yes, they are human, they are going to feel something. And to me, as a film director, a filmmaker, it would be far, far more powerful to just show a quick moment of like their humanity and then right back into their soldiering. Training, yeah, yeah, their training. You know what I mean? Because they are human. That That's more powerful to me as a filmmaker. Anyway. Well, now, um, going to our next military-themed movie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jack Ryan. What is it? Uh, Shadow... 
47 Ronin yeah. warrior. <laughs> a shadow recruit. <laughs> you know, this Jack Ryan movie was... Did so Harrison Ford star in this one? <laughs> no, he did not. Um, that is the issue about this film. Well, but it was a time travel film where you got to see Harrison Ford later, and then he meets his younger self, and then they have to fight <laughs> That would have Nazis. been more compelling. Um, <laughs> oh, it's bad. This is... I don't understand this movie. Kenneth Branagh directed it. I, got, I like that guy a lot. It just... He's, he's not above taking a paycheck. No, he's not. He clearly, and he's... Right playing, after Henry V. God. It began right away. <laughs> I, think, I think he's like, I think he feeds his his creative soul by doing stage plays in London, and then the rest of the time he's just like, whatever you want <laughs> me to do. It's a thing, one for me, one for you. Right. Yeah. One for me, one for you. I think that's exactly it, and I think he directed But I think his are in reverse. <laughs> I think these are for him, and then the, <laughs> the plays in London are for you. <laughs> It's just like, I want to play a Russian mobster. <laughs> Some people are like that weirdly. And people you think that aren't. Uh, I read in the Satiristas in Paul Provenza's book about um, the interview with Conan O'Brien and then the interview with Jay Leno. And I was expecting the opinion of Conan to be with Leno. And the opinion and the bo- both the way they described comedy, I was like, holy shit. This is exactly the opposite of <laughs> Like Conan's like, I'm just looking for a laugh. You know, and Jay was like very calculated, thinking, I have an obligation to the people. There's guys that are firemen, cops, do shitty jobs every day that come home that don't want to think, that sit down on the couch and just want the easiest laugh possible. And I have an obligation to those people. And he was basically saying, I know what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. And where Conan's like, I just want to, anybody will laugh at me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll set my hair on fire. I don't give a shit. Um, Yeah, this is so puzzling. Kenneth Branagh is a fine actor. He is the least believable Russian mobster. Like, you know what what I mean? (laughs) He's just like. Least believable than John Malkovich? Malkovich is better. We'll go. Malkovich is better in Rounders as a Russian mob Wait, so, guy. So he directed it and put himself in it. Yes, it's oh, insane. That's... It's a, like Chris Pine. Make himself like an old aging SAS agent. Then exactly. Something. You know, who's like this crusty old. I don't understand that. I understand putting yourself in for a major role if that's what you have to do to get a career. Sure. But I don't understand the directing yourself if you're already established or the cameo, unless it's a joke. Like Todd Phillips puts himself in as a joke in little scenes. But uh, Peter Berg even was in Lone Survivor. And it's, why? I know, Peter Berg, in that scene, going back to Lone Survivor, I was like, oh, he just wanted to say, I'm here in a scene with with Navy SEALs. Is that for SAG insurance? I think think everyone kind of wants to be, every filmmaker kind of wants to be like that Alfred Hitchcock, kind of like that mystique. Well, yeah, your, Hitchcock uh, did that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I it, exactly. Be, but they, but that's why. Oh well, Hitchcock did it. I, like, I should do that. The only too. time it makes sense is like if there's a part in there, like uh, you know, Clooney directed that film um, about uh, the Gong Show guy. I forget the. Oh yeah, yeah. Came out ten years ago. Um, Chuck Barris. Dangerous Chuck Minds. Barris. Dangerous yeah. Minds. Mm-hmm. Clooney directed it. He had a small part in there as a, like a CIA guy or whatever, and I was like, well, that's perfect. Clooney should play that guy that is right in his wheelhouse or whatever, and it helped sort of tell that story. This is like, why? All right, Chris Pine is doing. Okay, it's based on it's it's a Clancy book. It's it's and they did, I did some interesting stuff, and they sh- kind of 
retold or or reinvented Jack Ryan. They modernized him, right? So they said, here's how he was born. He was in college in Oxford when 9-11 happened. So then he immediately joins. And, they and then he that, takes the Bourne serum, right? He takes, <laughs> yeah, then he takes the Bourne serum. I think they need to let Jack Ryan go. He's done enough. I think he has. Let it go. I think he yeah. has. And this movie, it's not awful. I'm not watching it going, God, what are they doing? But I was just like, why is there a Jack Ryan movie out with Chris? Why am I sitting here watching Why it? am I watching this when I'm in Lake Tahoe when I should be up skiing more? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? You know, uh, is there any snow there? It's actually, you know, it's funny. They were bitching and there's not enough snow, there's not enough snow. But I went up to Heavenly and a buddy of mine works at Heavenly. Went to the higher elevations. It was great. Oh, okay. Like everyone's complaining there's no snow. But I'm telling you, go there. Yeah. We were skiing. Andy Wood was up there with me. We were all day and there was no one. Oh, nice. Well, no one knew there was snow. No one knew there was snow. Then the rest of the weekend, I guess, it was because it was MLK weekend, it got kind of crowded. But right. if you live in that area, man, go up there yeah. at the Heavenly. The higher elevations are fucking great. Yeah. Anyway, that's go skiing rather than see Jack Ryan. So, so Jack Ryan is pretty much, is it like an origin story for Jack Ryan? Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. They're, it's like they wanted to reboot Jack Ryan and they gave him an origin story and uh-huh. then an English actor directed himself as a Russian. And it did, I just, <laughs> and, and, then, and then you've got- Did he steal a submarine? You, I wish. <laughs> then you got Kira Knightley again playing his American wife, girlfriend. I'm like, why are all these Brits doing these kind of- not that great American accents. I'll, and I'll never get that. The Aussies. Well, because probably Brits. Kenneth Branagh was like, well, I'm going to fill this with Brits and make myself a Russian. I guess. Kevin Costner's good as sort of the, the old KG handler guy, but the re- but I don't know. It was I guess puzzling. that's them thinking they're stretching and they're acting. I guess. I guess. Like just doing a, an American accent where they just, they overpronounce their R's when British actors play Americans because they're always like, you know, uh, how are you doing? Like, there's like, uh, you know, like, I care for you. I get called in for auditions all the time for Australians in America. They go, oh, you stay in Australia a lot. Can you do an Australian accent? And I'm like, yes. And you know who does it better than me? Australians. Australians. And there's a ton of them here. Yeah, there's yeah. Get really them. good. Yeah. I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. Don't like, let's get these British actors to put, like, there's no other actresses that could play his wife. There's no, and I was watching this, I kept going, God, there's, I'm listing off all of the Russian character actors. Why not just get Katherine Heigl at that point? Right. I mean, there's got to be somebody around this. It is weird. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. There's, there's nothing about this movie makes any sense. <laughs> Why it was so, made, who's so involved. When I'm, I, I save a lot of my movies for when I fly back and forth. Sure. I stay up literally the whole flight. So 15 hours to Australia, I can see like four films. Throw this into the mix. Really? On an international flight when you need to pass the time? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it'll don't watch it off. first. Yeah. I'll save it for the last <laughs> it'll, one. It'll, it'll knock two hours out of your flight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right when you're about to fall asleep, I need something just to get me over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> the put me to sleep. Yeah. That's a sh- Shadow Recruit is like a nice... Uh, I want to thank you, Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh. You, uh, you helped me sleep. Yeah. <laughs> you're a visual Valerian root. Um, all right. So let's move on. Now. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Inside Lewin Davis. Um, we had a very lively discussion about this movie with uh, Laura House last week. However, then I got responses about the Golden Globes episode. Yes, yes, you guys. Uh, we had as much fun as you guys did listening. And on the website now is somebody emailed Laura after listening to the the podcast and explained Lewin Davis to her. And turned out she really liked the movie now. So she did a 180 on it, and it is posted as a review on the uh, Comedy Film Nerds uh, homepage. You can still read it. 
And the thing about the Coen brothers, too, is when they make a movie, it's never really just about what they're the story that they're telling. Like if you um, if you look at any single movie they did, every line of dialogue, every scene, every like even like with the cat in Lewin Davis, it means something else. There's right. there's always subtext and metaphor in their films. And especially when you look at like, oh, brother, where art thou? They were even more obvious about it. They said, this is the Odyssey. This is the story we're telling is the Odyssey just um, right in a, a musical Dust Bowl fashion <laughs> with a lot of hair gel. And uh, <laughs> uh, and you can see some of that revisited with uh, Inside Louis Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it, it is. Yes. Pitch yeah, it is. My hair, my hair. I'm a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> oh, yeah, he does. He's all about his. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. His, uh, what does he use? It's not gel. Dapper Dan. Dapper Dan. I'm a Dapper Dan, Dan man. Uh, and uh, and I was I was watching this movie, and I know from watching other Coen Brothers movies that everything means something else. But the thing is, they're so thick and dense uh, when you watch these movies. Um, you don't know when you're going to miss an important line, like some line that may seem minor or some like string of a song um, is going to come back later. And if you miss that part, you're going to be kind of lost later because everything is so subtle. And, and uh, I'm paying attention to this movie. And I, I, I then I read the commentary that uh, Laura had posted afterwards and I got like a, a fair amount of it. But there were a couple of things I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> There's like, I don't know if that means like everything from the cat. And the false cat is really him, of course. I don't know if you've seen Inside no, David's yet. yet. Okay, Graham, you've seen it. So mm-hmm. when you look at things like um, like the way he finds the cat, then he finds the wrong cat. That's obviously him finding himself in right. different ways. But this is a slight spoiler alert. I do want to mention this, though, is that uh, there is a scene in the movie where um, he chooses not to see an ex-girlfriend. And this ex-girlfriend he finds out actually has a son that he's never met that he's the father of so when he chooses not to go down that uh exit he's essentially closing the door on his past and all the things that he's gone Uh through however i don't quite buy that because if you have a kid that's your kid that's actually looking into the future so i'm not sure like with that that interpretation of how then that's when the false cat kind of um disappeared then he finds the true cat and all that stuff but uh um, there's a lot of really, really subtle things in this movie, and the music is fantastic. And one thing that the Coen brothers don't get a lot of credit for is their sound. Their sound in their films are amazing. Everything right. from um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou to The Man Who Wasn't There to Inside Lewin Davis, the, everything from the singing to the sound. They, they use sound, and music is another character, too. Sometimes like the way, um, uh, what's his name, Cameron, Cameron does. The other director, not James Cameron, the Cameron other Crow? Cameron Crow, yes. <laughs> James Cameron. No, Cameron, yeah, different Cameron. Well, uh, but but I thought, and after I watched the commentary, I read the commentary, and I, I'd actually seen the movie, then read it, and then I was thinking about it again. I definitely really liked the movie, and there's a huge debate on the Comedy Film Nerds Twitter feed, as well as the message words of whether this movie qualifies as a comedy or a drama. Right. And I can definitively say this is not a comedy. Right. It, it's a drama. And it's not – and one of the arguments is, well, it's a very dark comedy. No, it isn't. It's a drama. No, it's a drama. Now, it's a drama, and also you can have some lighthearted moments and some dark comedy in a drama. That's fine. Shakespeare does it in all of his plays. I mean, there's funny parts in Macbeth. So what you have to understand, I think, is that when you're watching this movie is what the filmmaker's intention was. I really feel they were to make they wanted to make a drama with some darkly comic moments, but ultimately they wanted to tell the story of Lewin Davis's life. 
And uh, if you look at the movie too, especially the ending, and I won't go into spoilers on that, it it looks like it just kind of stops. It doesn't end. There's no arc. There's no revelation. But if you dig a little deeper, there is. But it's so subtle that it's easy to miss. The the, the debate here, just to to bring... Eddie up to speed. Our last week's episode, we were talking about the Golden Globes and what won best comedy. And we were having this huge debate because the movies that were nominated, in my mind, were, were none of them were pure comedies. No. Wolf of Wall Street's not a comedy. Wolf no. of Wall Street's not a comedy. It was like her. It was Inside Lewin Davis, um, American Hustle. And we were just like, so I want to read something one of the fans wrote. Uh, Alexis Hall, who's our, our Alaskan fan, <laughs> her Twitter handle is at Alex underscore is underscore Hall, wrote... First, she wrote, listening to this episode was frustrating, which is funny. She said, some of the worst movies in 2013 were American comedies, which is a valid point. It wasn't this the strongest year. But, um, and then she writes, The Wolf of Wall Street is a dark comedy. The funny parts is what makes it good. Oh, that I don't agree with. But, um, neither did Leonardo DiCaprio when he accepted his award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of just <laughs> felt like, um, you know, and she wrote like the, the movie Way Way Back should have been. I I like I think the Way Way Back should have been put in that conversation. And uh, but she said it wasn't released internationally. Valid point, and maybe that's why. Like, and again, Golden Globes is the foreign press, so like, I don't know. You could have made an argument that The Heat was a pure comedy. It should have been like. It's not, a better, it's not a better movie then. You know what the thing about these awards, too, are, if you look at it from more of a broad perspective, is they all have these weird archaic rules. And a lot of times you have all these weird archaic rules, and then they get circumvented anyway. So it, it, a lot of times it doesn't even well, to matter. Me, to me, what those, those nominations, like putting her or Inside Lewin Davis's best comedy is like saying, it would be like if the Emmys went... Well, Mad Men is going to get nominated for best comedy because John Slarity's fucking funny in every episode. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, no... Their definition of comedy doesn't make any sense. To the, me. the one uh, exception I can remember to that with uh, I remember when Northern Exposure won an award mm-hmm. for best drama, and he, they went up and accepted the award and said, "This this is great, but we're making a comedy. It's just an hour long." Yeah, I think some people just <laughs> miss it. I remember when like Man on the Thanks Moon. Thanks for the award. Yeah, yeah. But I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's almost like uh, springtime for Hitler, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we, supposed to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, well let's move into um Kickstarter. Yeah, we really want to talk about this. It is fully launched, and we've been talking about this for a while. Earbuds, the podcast documentary, is up. You can get to it right from our site. If you just go to comedyfilmnerds.com, you could click right through. And I don't mean to sound like this is an exaggeration at all. We need your help. We need your help to Can't make do this it movie. You. And and I want to address a couple of points because I've been reading online and people have been emailing and asking some questions. And I'm going to update the FAQs and do an updated uh, blast for the uh, the do- the initial donors right now. But a couple things came up right away and I want to talk about them. First of all is that you're asking, well, I hear all these podcasters every week. Why, why would I want to see a documentary about them? Good question. And here is the answer. Because that's only half the story. We see all these podcasters all the time, too. We, we know them. We know what they think. And we know if we put a camera in front of them, they're going to tell us about how great podcasting is. That is only half of the story. The other half of the story is you. We want to know why it means so much to you. We are going to be interviewing you, the fans. And we're going to put it all together and see what this connection is and why it is so important. How, how much are you guys trying to raise? $135,000. Um, we were talking before we went on the air about how 
podcasting right now is still this niche thing with mm-hmm. this small community mm-hmm. of people that listen to multiple podcasts and right. blah, blah, blah. But the other 80, really probably 95% of the world is not listening to podcasting yet. Doesn't even and, know what it is. Right. Right. Has no idea. This is something. We'll never to, buy the Downcast this app. This is something for them to see. <laughs> To learn about it and yes. see why it's so special. And I think so. And that's, you know, we've been talking about it and we just, you know, we had a camera crew interviewing people at the last podcast festival and we just got these amazing interviews and, and some of the clips are in if you go to the Kickstarter page. And that was kind of our proof of concept. We wanted to, we wanted to look at everything first to see if there was something of a documentary here. And we really were convinced that there is. We, you know, like Aisha says it. Aisha Tyler says it. She goes, I don't have in-depth hour-long conversations with my family every week. No. And yet every week in all of our whatever perspective shows, I mean, I don't talk this in-depthly with, you know, no. people no. about this Anybody. or CrossFit or well, whatever. One of the greatest things I ever heard was uh, um, Chris Hardwick interviewed his father, who since passed away, and did a podcast with his dad. And I was just flipping through all the podcasts and going, which one do I want to listen to? I was driving back from Vegas and I went, you know, it's such a good thing to listen to when you've got like four hours ahead of you or something. Yes. And I went, which one am I going to listen to right now? And, and I saw Chris Hardwick interviews his father and I thought, I've never seen anyone do this. This, What's this going to be like? And his father was a pro bowler and uh, he talks to his dad and it's incredible because he interviews his father. And I think before it or afterward, he said – if you're a podcaster and blah, 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 he said, even if you're not, do this. Sit down because you've probably never had this type of conversation with one of your parents. And it sit just down. made me want to do that. Yeah, And I was amazed. And then I started thinking about my parents and how much I know about them. And they're getting older and don't know how long they'll be in my life. And I thought, there's so much I don't know about them that this skill of interviewing them and talking to them and discovering things and finding out the way they think and the way – they grew up and the questions you've never asked them because there's so many other things to, to, to get in the way of it and to sit there with these microphones and talk, it's, it was like groundbreaking. Well, that's the thing. Like, and that's, like, that just is amazing. I was just thinking as my dad is a, is a theater professor and he's retired now. Both my parents were theater people. So my dad taught a class uh, before he retired about movies and, and giving and back rubs getting, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> trauma department back rubs um, that's why I love back rubs my parents are weirdo hippie theater people um, but that you just saying that Eddie goes I, I'm like my dad's gonna be here in February yeah, I wanna interview have him, him on you know the next time my mom's in town mm-hmm. I wanna talk to them about Oh, your mom's a trip. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> should definitely, yeah. It's funny because we, we live in this world right now where nobody talks anymore. I don't have phone conversations with friends. I mean, there's one friend I might talk to on the phone. Mm-hmm. And everything's texting. It's so impersonal. But podcasts are so personal. It, it, goes, it uses technology to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. And, you're and that's right, what it, fascinates us That's about exactly it. what we want to do with this documentary. We want to, first of all, obviously the super fans, we want to say, hey, look. They exist and they... My fans, I mean, I, I don't know how you do your podcast. My my show works almost completely on donations. Mm-hmm. And last night, we had a fan over, uh, you're allowed, like, in talking shit, if you donate $1,000, you get to come to the house. And I've had probably 15, 20 people donate $1,000 to come sit in my house and watch the show. Like, Are they still there? That's how much they care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's Andy Dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Three days for him, two days for Nick Swartz. <laughs> uh, anyway, they uh, they the fans will 
and I, I ask them kind of because I'm so appreciative of the fact that they give that money because I'm like, you're it's, the ones that keep it going. Like, it's mm-hmm. not me. This is like listener supported radio when you used to hear that listener. I want to quit. I tell them all the time. I go, I would quit if you didn't keep sending me money. Right. Otherwise, I feel an obligation. I wait. I'm like, fuck. There's going to be a lot of people angry that I don't do this show. So these people, I asked them, and I asked this guy last night. I was like, what? You know, why is this like, you know, our our show is just, you know, all we do is fuck around. But I kind of pull them aside, and I'm like, what's the deal? Why why would you give me $1,000 for this? Why? Why? There's so many things you could give $1,000 for. And they tell me every time, they're like, you don't understand. My life is fucking boring. I sit in a cubicle and just do this shit all day long. And he's like, I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I couldn't get enough of this. He's like, I could listen eight hours of you guys because it's like my group of friends and I'm sitting with you and we're hanging out. And I've had that from, you know, lots of times you'll hear it from people that drive a lot, yes. people that sit in cubicles. And two of the guys that work on my show are like, that's us. They go, we, we're plumbers during the day. We put headphones on. And all day long, listen Dude, to ten different podcasts. It's the right. commuter and the and the long, the boring job, and the yeah. and the CrossFit, CrossFit the really in great shape Scientologists. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They well, the they thing, need something to listen to because, because on their fifth rep. <laughs> <laughs> you think mixing a protein smoothie is exciting? You need you need something to listen to. Um, which, by the way, I drank one on the way over. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like, we just got an email from a fan, Blair uh, Hardesty. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And she wrote this long email about her mother's death and all this stuff she had to go through and how podcasting got her through it. And it's an amazing thing. And she writes out her, like, top ten podcasting moments, like Todd Glass coming out on Mark Maron's show. Um, You know, he didn't come out on Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Kimmel. He came out on a podcast, you know what I mean? Um, And, and, you know, whatever, like me and Matt Myra going off on Fast and Furious 6 on Douglas movies and and just shit like that. And we've gotten so many of these emails. It was one of the reasons why we wanted to do the festival. It was like, I want all these fans in one place. Right. I want to hang out with them because it's like, it's like a party and it was, uh, you know, you, one of the reasons, you know, you're back here is because you invited me to do, not the reason you came back, but, but we, you know, we are all busy and then we reconnect on something and go, fuck, we got to get each other back on the shows. Your 300th episode was a fucking party at the improv. Oh, at the improv. Yeah. Yeah. So much goddamn <laughs> fun. Like, and I know your initial idea was. We're going to do this live show at the improv and I'm going to have each one on for five, like a five minute interview. Yeah, but it just became a. It was. I had no plan. I went. We'll see how this goes, and <laughs> it went perfectly. There was, but like, that's your show, right? I mean, isn't yeah, that a part of your show? Yeah, and sometimes it gels, and sometimes uh-huh. it doesn't. And mm-hmm. that night, I was lucky. It just, mm-hmm. and it was. I said to some, they go, "Why would you? Why wouldn't you not think it would go well? You've got professional entertainers all on stage with each other who know what to do, right? And know each other, yeah. And and, <laughs> and it isn't all luck, too. You got to take some credit for the fact that you have done 300 episodes. You've established this this fan base, so the audience was packed full of diehard fans. It wasn't people who were like, "Hey, what's this Eddie Ift comedy thing?" Right. Like, and, you've worked hard to to, to establish. And the that. truth is, yeah. I used to hate my audience when I did the show with Jim Jeffries. Oh, I remember you saying you that when you were you, you came on the two, show and, you were, and you didn't say it once. You said it was I like three or four times because I would wake up every day and have hate mail. Yeah. And it would be in, it would be on Instagram, it would be on Twitter, it would be on YouTube. It would be I couldn't believe that his fan base had so much like 
invective within the, well, you, you would, you, I remember when you were on this show the first time you said oh no when you see our fans you're gonna go the other you, way you cross the street <laughs> you, you were warning Chris they, and I like <laughs> they would send us pictures like Jim would go send us your best mangina and guys would but you have to write our names on you and I, it was always like I was like I, I'm not really into that Jim I don't yeah. need those pictures and then guys would do it and oh then God. one guy just wrote Jason who was our sidekick at the time one guy just wrote kill Jason on his chest and all the guys would send a mangina but it would just be the mangina this guy shows himself full body standing there with two AR-15s in his arms and it says kill Jason (laughs) (laughs) I I went oh "Oh my god this is a fan And, (laughs) and I said and I wrote, I go, I, go, I go, the scary part is that he had a friend that took the picture. He wrote back to us. He goes, do I look like the type of guy that has friends? That was on a tripod. <laughs> <laughs> so those people, since Jim's left the show, have kind of weeded themselves sure. out. And they don't, you know, every once in a while, they'll like lob one back in. Yeah, yeah. You're still fucking a cunt. You know, like, <laughs> but, but you're saying there's a lot less pictures of naked men with AR-15. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that on this yeah. show yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Yeah. and we're not requesting we're not it requesting ever it. marcus yeah um, um so that yeah i mean that's the that that kind of stuff i mean and and you know the personal connection that you've had and how unique each show is but now i i've got a question for you now because i have to ask this now because this is such a big part of podcasting is eddie will you is, send is, us a photo of the, your yes, man that's yes, what we want to yes, know yes and we'll buy an ar comedy film there yeah, yeah. <laughs> two guns yeah now that you've um, essentially changed over your audience, mm-hmm. are you finding you're enjoying the show more because your oh. audience has changed? Oh, it's so much better yeah. because I can talk about what I want to talk about mm-hmm. and not what I was forced to talk about before, which was, you know, Jim dictated the way the show went most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, it was like, it'd be like James Taylor playing with Megadeth. Right. James Taylor's n- never going to be like, hey, guys, why don't you, you know. Can we do an acoustic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you slow it down a little? Yeah, <laughs> so James just had to be like, I'll just stand in the back and jam, you know, because I'm not going to. So I've been able to do my own thing. And uh, Do you and Jim still get along? And- uh, yeah, we just, uh, you know, he got a TV show and is way more successful. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm, but I'm happier. Like, I'm happy doing the. I'm much happier than I was before. Don't you think, too, like, that's some of the stuff that, and we, and we got in some of the interviews, if you go to, again, the Kickstarter thing, like, you listen to what Mike Schmidt says, and, and it kind of sounds like what you're saying, which is, and I feel the same way, too, now, of course, you want to give me a sitcom, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. But, like, I look at, I mean, like, Jim's show, I, I, I like, and, like, uh, Louis C.K., right. But when I see like traditional three camera shoot oh, sitcoms, you're like, I'd have to go there every day. Oh, and listen to the like the the politics in the writers' room and some showrunner that's a dick. And I'm just like, God, yeah. I would take the paycheck. But I'm I'm more thinking like, how can and Chris and I talk? It's about not this as thing. glamorous as it sounds. It's yeah, not as if as it you sounds, if that, you gave me a sitcom like a hit multi multi camera show, uh, and give me my podcast with the same amount of money, I'll take my podcast any day of the week. I take I take the I take. Honestly, if it's like seven figures doing some sitcom I'm not that proud of or six figures yeah. doing this, yeah. I'm I'm in. Yeah. If I can just pay my bill, like live comfortably, go surfing. I, I just did a sitcom and I walked off of the set and I went home and I told my wife, I go, if I remind me if I book another one of these to say no. Right. I was like, I just don't. 
I, I don't want to do that. That just is so uh, maybe it's just not, it wasn't the show I wanted to do, but I just didn't. It's not enjoyable. It's it's it's, it's boring work. You get paid to sit in a trailer and wait, go in, say a couple lines, go back to a trailer. It's and terrible. Then you have to wait and do it again. Are and, written, yeah. They're so watered down. So uncreative. They're so yeah. uncreative. You like the jokes are just like boom, 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 boom. Oh, you like, could uh, you could telegraph them. Like yes. if you're watching a sitcom, like sometimes you could. I would you love just to just. Yeah. I would love to just like watch a sitcom, and. With, and record and just be like, oh, here comes this joke. Yeah. Oh, he's going to, oh. oh, yeah, you can do the it. The only thing easily. I'd like to do is direct one because I'd constantly be thinking and having to make decisions. Right. Otherwise, on the set, like, you know, you see those people and they work long hours, but you're like, you sat around a lot and they're always exhausted. And they're exhausted out of like when you're driving and you get tired, you're tired because you're bored. <laughs> <laughs> You're bored all day and, long. And the result of that, just to get off on a tangent a little bit, is now the sitcoms, the single cameras that ended up on cable are like break all those really rules different. and are really yeah. interesting and different and innovative. And, you know, you don't know. I have no idea what every episode of Louis C.K.'s show is going to be about. I have no they, idea. They, they have no idea what he's going to talk about. It could be anything from suicide to him not getting the girl that he likes. Yeah. It literally from show to show. Mm-hmm. So, um, Well, that's right. cool. And, and I think, uh, yeah, before we move on real quick, like um, – you know, Eddie, uh, like, how would you sort of sum up what podcasting has meant to you personally? Um, as a, I mean, because again, you're like us, you've been doing stand up for whatever, 15, 20 yeah. years. So, and it came along, all of us were already in our careers, and it's sort of, well, I think I, before I even got into stand-up, I always thought, I'd like to have my own variety show. I'd like to be a host of a show like The Tonight Show. And I kind of am in yeah. my house. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing it. And I may not have gotten to the level of a Conan O'Brien or a Jay Leno, but I'm doing it. I'm enjoying it. I make good money. And uh, and I'm happy. I'm as happy as can be. And there's if I do want to quit, I could quit any day and it wouldn't be that big of a deal where I look at I thought about it the other day. I'm like, imagine if I was Letterman and I wanted to quit. You can't. How many people rely on me? How mm-hmm. many you're the greatest thing about podcasting is the freedom. Nobody tells me what I can right. say, yeah. when I can say, what I can do. There's it, no network notes. There's no, well, we focus grouped your last episode and you need to, maybe, no. the, maybe the fans, you know, might get a like, you know, we've gotten some stuff that's actually made the show better. When we first started out, they would say, we get stuff about Yeah, we read everything. That's the other thing. Anything that comes yeah, yeah. in, we read it. I mean, honestly, like. I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. I think so too. And, and I think like we got stuff like, initially early on, this is like, you know, we're already at 200 episodes, but. You know, early on we would they got mad when we divulge spoilers, and so we had yeah. to make a real point of that. And that that has made the show better. But it's not like there's no note that comes in that if Chris and I go, I don't want to do that. We don't do it. Yeah, you know, like there's mm-hmm. no nobody's telling us. Oh well, and yeah. if a sponsor goes, you guys can't say or this, we go. Well, you're not a sponsor then anymore. Yeah, <laughs> 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 which I think is awesome. But that's that's really cool, man. We'll um, all right, guys, Kickstarter and listen uh, to. Uh, yeah, your Kickstarter, it seems like a genius. I've always wanted to do it, and I haven't had the execution. So you guys doing it, I'm so glad somebody's doing it. It needs to be done. And uh, uh, anything I can do or with my show, help you guys. Absolutely. Oh, that'd be great. Tell my fans we, to participate. Well, come on. We'll yeah. come on uh, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a great idea. Uh-huh. Love to have you on. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, get into DVDs. Yes. It's uh, Captain Phillips. Which is uh, it was it was a good movie. It's a yeah. very good movie. I think you liked it a little more than me, but yeah. uh, I, I, I it was still it was a good movie. I think it's excellent. Um, 
I hope it gets uh, the uh, a little love. I hope it yeah. gets a little love at the I'm Oscars. Saving it for the plane. Yeah. Saving it for the plane. <laughs> if you don't travel to Australia five six times a year like Eddie, um, yeah. <laughs> if you um, here's my point with this film, it's really good. If you have a chance to see it on a big screen, you absolutely. Yeah. Should. I don't know if I'd watch it on oh, a cruise. Really? <laughs> yeah, I it's like I, yeah. I couldn't watch flight on yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I did I did listen to Tom Hanks on an amazing interview on an NPR podcast uh, where he was talking about the making of this film and he the director did not let him meet the Somalians the Somalian actors oh, I heard about till that, that yeah, yeah. scene mm-hmm. so they did the scene yeah there's little things like that that directors mm-hmm. are just genius like Animal House they had them all live together before for a month before yeah. they shot the show <laughs> so that they would be like a fraternity right. of guys and they were on Oregon's campus and they went to a fraternity party and got the shit kicked out of them. <laughs> <laughs> they were calling them like Hollywood faggots. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Belushi wasn't allowed to stay with them because he had just gotten out of rehab. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, that panned out for him. But I love when directors do shit like that because I think, yeah. you know, it creates that. And it makes the movie that much better. When you know that, like, holy shit, like, yeah. that's what they did. Like American Graffiti. They shot it uh, chronologically. Like right. Linear. Yeah, mm-hmm. scene to scene. Um, um, okay, Blue Jasmine. Now, this movie I really did like. Uh, I thought Kate Blanchett did an amazing job. Um, and then... Uh, what about Andrew Dice Clay? You know what? Everybody says he's awesome in it. Here's the thing. It's I don't want to I don't want to oversell it okay. because it's okay. that kind of thing where you're going to go in like, oh, this guy's going to get an Oscar. No. No, no. no. Okay. He's it's, just good in it. He's it's exactly right. He's okay. good in it. And, and it was one of those questions that no one ever asked but got answered like, what would you do with Andrew Dice Clay now? Mm-hmm. And oh, that's what you would do with it. It's one of those things when when and, and not a lot of directors get this. Like get a a professional comic you put us in the right part yeah. we're going to be amazing yeah. because the, what what happens is sometimes you know they try to put a comic in some other thing and then the comic comes across as awkward or jilted because whatever you give us the right thing we perform every fucking night <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? it's like i remember they interviewed justin timberlake and the director was like you know you're gonna have to do 10 15 takes he goes i sing the same song Every night. <laughs> and, you know, he's singing it with the emo- Like when you tell a joke that has an emotional arc to it, like it's a story, like this thing happened, you're telling it as though you're telling it the first time every, every fucking time, night. Every time, yeah, it's acting. And, yeah. and it's also comics uh, traditionally come from such a dark place, and that's why they create it's a lot comedy. To ta- it's a lot to tap into. So <laughs> for us to go to the dark place, it's easy. It's like, yeah. oh, uh, you know, play, it's coming play out this of character it. That's, that's not that's yeah. not comedic. You mean me all the time? Yeah, twenty-two hours out of the day. You mean the guy that's in the hotel room? Yeah. Glad he doesn't own a gun. That guy. <laughs> um, but, so, yeah. so yeah, he uh, and he's not in two. He's not even in a lot of scenes. But the scenes he he is in, he he does light up. He does a really fine job. But uh, you know, I there was some talk about how oh, he might win a supporting Oscar. Mm. No, 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 it's just he does he does a really good job. Let's leave it at that, you know? <laughs> because then what happens is you're like, the over- expectations are so high that like you go see him like, oh, he was terrible in that movie. No, he was just, he did he a good, good job. It's great That's to, it. It's great to see him. Leave it alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Academy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. All right, great. Um, uh, Machete Kills. Not a, an Academy nominated film. I mean, I, uh, I would think this movie, like, if you didn't go to see it in the theater, you probably didn't have any These movies are like I a laugh, podcast. I laughed my ass off at Machete. Yeah, I mean, you, you have, yeah. then you're probably like the sequel. Okay. Yeah. Watch <laughs> us on your next plane ride. Yeah. The umbilical cord scene out the window. 
probably one of the funniest scenes in a film in, in the history of film. I mean, he disembowels a man, yeah. grabs the umbilical cord, jumps out the window, and then uses it like a rope to swing in through the window below. Wow. Who? Do you mean intestine? Uh, yeah, the, I'm sorry, the intestine. I apologize for that. You could do it with an umbilical cord. Sure, they yeah, both yeah. work. That'd be a little Just creepier, a little but uh, yeah. Especially if a baby's on the end of it. That was Machete too. Um, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of umbilical cords, uh, premiering this week, uh, I Frankenstein. Um, this is this is one of those movies that when you see the trailer, you think, well, this is a joke trailer. This is somebody at Saturday Night Live put this together, and this this can't be actually happening. You know, and then how did they get Aaron Eckhart to be in this sketch? I tell you how, Aaron Eckhart, I think, is just sort of, I, I don't know. I think, that, I, I, I'm wondering if he's like, hey, telling his agent, I want to be in movies that are only released in January and February <laughs> because I want to go to premieres or something. I don't know, like he's got a travel schedule or something, or I don't know what, because he's always in these movies that come out this time of year, and you're just like. Well, I don't even know how you would like accept a pitch like this like it's frankenstein's versus gargoyles I'm like why 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 would anyone want to see this movie that amazes me yeah and, and if you watch the trailer you're too like okay well this is just this is a video game that no one wants to play I, the, and the guy that directed it is is this is like he's only directed two things tomorrow when the war began which i've never heard of and then i frankenstein everything else he's written on he wrote G.I. Joe, he wrote oh, fucking okay. Pirates so, of the Caribbean, so there's no way this movie is good at all. So you know what you're getting into. And if you were excited to see this movie, we've said this before, there's nothing we can do for you're you. Dumb. Yeah, you. I think you might have the wrong podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think you might be lost. Uh, now, there is... Unless I, you're like guilty pleasure. If you're like, hey, I love these, these are dumb guilty pleasure, that's different than... No, I really... It looks pretty good. I really like yeah. it. Johnny Depp should have gotten nominated now, for I will Ranger. say, this reminds me, too, it's not like this isn't even fertile ground. Like what, I remember when uh, Van Helsing came out, those trailers. And stuff, I was really excited to see that. Oh, cool, like a retelling of like sure. all the classic monsters and uh, the Van Helsing tale. And like he's like, he's like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right. and he's fighting all these monsters. Uh, it w- the movie was a disaster. But, uh, really? Uh, there's a... Uh, there's a... There's... there's, there's there's gold to be mined here, and uh, I don't think this is it. So, uh, you know, hey, this is a good time, I think, to uh, bring up a fan review. If you want to review it, send it to yeah, info <laughs> at comedyfilmnerds.com, because I'm pretty sure we can't even get Neil to go see this movie. Yeah, no one's going to see this. So you have to, uh, if you really are worried um, that this movie's going to be stupid and you're going to be mad at us for asking you to review it, you're probably right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, send in a fan review. Fair enough. We haven't had a fan review in a while, so go see I, Frankenstein, and God bless you for the yeah. work that you're doing. <laughs> you're doing the Lord's work for doing that. Um, all right, that's our program. Uh, can I do one thing before I go? We're going to let you plug. No, no, it's not oh, a plug. Well. I want people to watch your fans, being the comedy nerds they are, A Dark Truth Ooh, with Andy truth. Garcia. And I want them to say that it is officially the worst film ever made. <laughs> ever made. So much so well, that I... saw this. Wait a minute. I, I, I saw this I movie. spent the next 20 hours researching this director and how he gets films made. Because they can't make... There's no possible way they can make money. And he's made like 50 oh, films. Yeah. Damien Lee. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I can't agree with you more on this movie. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen of all time. Of all, yeah, and uh, I, the best way I described it is that because it deals with some real world issues, yeah. like uh, you they know, sold water it on that. Just, yeah, 
Um, it was like if Constant Gardner was directed by a four-year-old. Yeah. And and I saw the guy in some interviews. I watched YouTube interviews with the guy. I was just mystified by how a guy gets movies made. You mean the and, guy that did Terminal Rush? And I'm like, okay, I'm like, did this guy inherit a billion dollars and just went? And it's just I'm funny. Gonna I'm going to make 20 movies a year. Yeah. And Until I, I go through my parents' fortune. And I watch them and I'm going, how... And he he sounds somewhat intellectual in his conversation. Well, of course, because he made Ski School. Yeah, so, <laughs> which I actually there's some funny lines in that ski movie. Ski School. Um, yeah, there was such hope for him when he With did ski, ski School. Ski School. There's a great line where they're all they're all in trouble, and he goes, "All right," uh, he goes, uh, "Bill, you're gonna get beer. Tom, you're gonna get beer. Jake, you're gonna get beer." and then they're all in trouble and they've been partying so much he goes all right uh i we need you're right we all need to stop partying this needs to stop because i i know this place we can go tonight where we can just be calm and just get a nice piece of fish so let's just and it cuts straight to them at a sorority party (laughs) i I watched that movie and i was like there's a couple funny but i think the guy's still going on that this movie's the worst movie of all time. He his if you look at his IMD, he made the movie Sacrifice in 2011 with Cuba Gooding Jr. and Christian Slater. Yeah, he gets these stars. He had Andy Garcia. And he did they these this reek these reek, this reeks of foreign money. It's all this, just, this, this yeah, is European just, funding or whatever. And all these yeah. are like direct to video. Yeah. yeah. Like I don't know. I, my father-in-law who is a large man just turned it on one night over Christmas vacation while well, I was over at their mm-hmm. house. And I was like, I guess I got to watch this. <laughs> and I sat there just going, how the fuck did this get fucking made? My, my favorite part was imagining the director going to Andy Garcia going, can you talk in a gravelly voice? I want you to sound like Batman. <laughs> and All you're, right. You're, here a, we for, go. Yeah. you're a former CIA <laughs> yeah. operative that now has a radio yeah. show. <laughs> <laughs> just talking about Caller 5. Here's yeah. the next clandestine op we just did. <laughs> like... All right, guys. So check out Dark Truth and wonder why Damien Lee has a career. Um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, Eddie, where can people find you on the internets? Uh, uh, my podcast, Talking Shit, and also the Wadcast about CrossFit. And uh, I've got an Australian tour coming up. I'll be... Uh, oh, nice. I'll be starting February 15th. I'm in Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, and Perth. And uh, Awesome. When does this air? Today. I think you just Today. named you named every city in Australia. No, right? <laughs> you, you'd be funny. I'll get messages. When are you coming to Darwin? When are you coming to Alice Springs? When are you coming to... Right. Uh, but I'm this uh, next week, I'm in Indianapolis at uh, Morty's Joke Joint. And then the weekend after that, I'm at the American Comedy Club. Or no, well, I'm at the Madhouse Comedy Club. Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. What are the dates of it? That's the 6th and 7th. All right. Right yeah, on, man. Awesome. Well, dude, uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. This is fun. It was great. And listen to Talking Shit, guys, because it's a, it's a fun show. Listen to the 300th episode. Yeah, that's... That was and, such a goddamn and, blast. Yeah, that was really fun. Oh, cool. It was a blast. God, it just... It was it was a free-for-all. It was, it was so much fun. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I will be in... Let's see. Miss Pat. You'll be in Miss Pat. I miss Miss Pat. Pat. <laughs> You're almost in her in the 300th episode. <laughs> that was so great. That was hilarious oh, when you were doing that behind her back. <laughs> Then I, for a second, I thought she was going to kill you. I'm like, she, she might like, she's yeah, gonna, she's, she's gonna, gonna like run at him like a WWE thing. She's just gonna like slam him up against the. I know, she's uh, a big lady. Yeah, she really is. I thought I was gonna get my ass kicked out of that fun. Um, 
So you guys, uh, all right, check that out. So this uh, Friday, I will be doing uh, stand-up comedy skits at the San Francisco uh, Sketch Fest, the 24th. And then Saturday, the 25th at 1 p.m., uh, we will be doing a live comedy film. Yes, race. at the Punchline. At the Punchline. Nice. Uh, our guests are just confirmed. We have Nick Thune and DC Pearson. Excellent. Um, which will be a great show. And I noticed there was a, uh, a special guest might be There appearing. is a special guest. Maybe Mr. Mark Wahlberg's going to make another appearance. Oh, wow. That's going to be exciting. Got to check that out, yeah. We got to talk to him about Lone Survivor. We're going to talk to him about Lone Survival. It's great. He's been on the show once before. He did the first year of the podcast festival, so we're going to have Mark Wahlberg back. It's going to be awesome. Um, so check that out. Then, of course, um, January 29th, we will be doing uh, Comedy Film Nerds Live, and it'll be a live uh, laughter show. Yes, live stream. Live stream. If you're in San Diego, that is Wednesday the 29th at the American Comedy Company in the Gas Lamp District. So come mm-hmm. down. It's an 8 o'clock show. Um and uh, that'll be awesome. Also, I will be, this just got announced. I don't know if it's on the web yet, but I will be headlining the Comedy Cafe in Milwaukee, February 6, 7, and 8. Um, so check all that out. Um, Chris, anything else? No, that's pretty much everything. We just want to remind you guys of the uh, Kickstarter campaign because that will be a, uh, a huge part of our year if we can, uh, we can get that funded. We have about 36 days left, something like that. 32. 32. 32 okay. days left. We did a 40-day thing, so we're seven or eight days into it. Yeah, and if you could spread the word, tell your friends, uh, and of course, donate. We really, really appreciate it. We really want to make this uh, documentary. Anything, any twi- Twitter, Facebook, anything like that that you guys can do with the link to Kickstarter would be great. Because it's, you know. And if you have rich friends. Friends, even better. Yeah. And this is the time, too. We always say you donate $20 a year to the show if you really uh, give it to Kickstarter. Like it. Yeah. The, right now, give it to Kickstarter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you've never donated to the show before or bought anything in the store, yeah, give it to Kickstarter. And, and people have asked, too, like, can I, can I donate and get a plug on Comedy Film Nerds? We yeah. added that tier. Added there, that there's tier. now ad tiers. If you want to, like, some of the tiers now, there's two of them. You'll get an ad on Comedy Film Nerds. We'll do a live read for you plug whatever your, you want to do. Your product, your business, your your, po- your own podcast. We're happy to do it. Your so manifesto. Your manifesto. <laughs> we will read it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got your own mind. Comp. <laughs> we'll read it on the show. Um, all right, guys. And also, uh, we will be announcing the podcast festival this year. We'll we're gonna we got the new hotel. We're just waiting on the contract for that. But it will be the sec the last weekend in September. Yes. Uh, so we had to move it up a little bit just because of scheduling with the hotel. So, but we release those actual dates and all that podcast stuff soon. Um, all right, guys. Thank you once again to Eddie F for being on the program. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Um, my name is Graham Elwood, and I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember Han, Han shot, shot first. first. Unless he does CrossFit. Yeah. <laughs>